Welcome. We now join Fred Kuhn and his guest. Welcome, everybody. Jill Goldstein is our guest today, and she is a strategic HR expert with Accenture Corporation. She's helped lead global organizations and deliver exceptional experiences for employees as a talent and HR business process services offering lead for Accenture. It's a mouthful, isn't it, Jill? She's played a really big role in leading and deploying analytics, automation, talent cultivation, to look at the strategic business outcomes in the HR operations over 100 clients in 100 countries and 25 languages. So, Jill Goldstein, welcome to the show. Thanks for the invitation, Fred. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad to have you here. I'm very interested in in the subject today. So, the subject is strategic HR and all of the issues that go with that. So, why don't you tell us what strategic HR really is? That's actually a very fair question. When I think about strategic HR, it's an HR function whose priorities and actions are driven by the need to enable the business and the workforce that service their customers. We can double click on that as well to uncover sub-strategies that HR could champion around anticipating the need to reskill a workforce for new and emerging hot skills, recognizing employees and managers as consumers of HR services, or enabling HR business partners to be more strategic with access to market and workforce insights. But it really is making sure that you are business-led in everything that you do as you action and prioritize the time and effort of the rest of HR. Okay, that's a lot to consider, and those are multiple rabbit holes to go down in terms of each area. <laughs> so let's take the, the big overarching issue here. HR, both you and I know this, that HR is not always welcome at the table <laughs> in terms of those strategic decisions in, in business organizations. So I guess what are the obstacles you see to HR offering strategic or playing a strategic role in an enterprise? I think if I think about it at a high level, there are four key perceptions that feel like they get in the way of HR having a seat at that table. The first is, as HR professionals, we unfortunately have a legacy and reputation that is that we're static and sometimes slower to change with the times. The second is, is that there's also a perception that we tend to be in HR for HR's sake rather than aligning with the business and driving our priorities that way. The third is that there's a perception that we underappreciate the value of automation and analytics. And the fourth is that we tend to be overwhelmed by the need to focus on data. Now, as I think about that, there are really three constituents that HR tends to face off with. The first is the employee and line managers who deliver services to clients and customers every day. The second is the retained HR organization who provides that business partner role. And the third is the rest of the HR function themselves. 
So there's a really complicated matrix that I can see HR trying to work their way through as they earn that seat at the table. That is another set of <laughs> dynamics to, <laughs> to explore. I do want to say, admittedly, some of the perceptions about HR are unfair because as a professional industry, we've seen a very limited amount of investment infusing into HR over the last few years. And as I see the belt starting to loosen a little bit on investment, and I'm seeing more funds actually going into HR, I am seeing HR step up and invest in things that create a strong foundation around cloud HCM, the system of record, employee experience, and analytics. So I do want to say that I see the tides turning now that HR is the recipient of some of those investment dollars. One of the things that you mentioned in an earlier statement was looking at the workforce from a strategic point of view, meeting needs in the future, the future planning for the workforce. That's a succession strategy. Do you see that going on in this in the boardrooms? I'm, I'm curious about that because it seems to be something, well, we just hire people and they do the job. And I, I'm wondering if that kind of succession planning is going on where you're looking strategically at the workforce and the capabilities of each person in the workforce and their ability to fit in this overall puzzle pattern that the board wants to achieve. Well, I am seeing more and more commitment by HR leaders around this idea that we all know, talent forecasting and planning, so that there's a view into what skill sets and competencies are going to be needed in the future based on the business strategy and business plan. And then I've also seen organizations double-click into that and understand more how they can secure those skills. Is it through acquiring external talent, building internal talent, securing contractors, or maybe even automating some of the foundational activities that free up the talent to do some more strategic activities? So I've seen that happen I'm now seeing HR leaders focus on how to get that done. How do they build the skills they need in the business when they know that right now, global demand for some of these skills, especially around the digital area, outweighs the global supply. So investing in building those capabilities is really the only option they have, and I'm starting to see the pivot there. I'm also seeing this as I interview executives around the country, that this is becoming a larger, larger issue. What do you think some tactics and technologies that HR leaders look for when they're trying to do strategic HR and they're sitting in front of the board or sitting in front of the CEO and the COO and they're saying, this is what, this is, what is, this is, we need to do what? So I, I think that in order for HR to have credibilities that go into the boardroom, one of the first things they need to do is ensure that they have the infrastructure within and across HR to enable the business strategy. And so many HR organizations are starting from a different place. So their journey tends to be a little different. That in mind, I do see that based on our experience, there really tends to be three layers of capability that enable HR to be strategic. The first is imagine a middle layer that's the system of record. 
This would be something like a uh, cloud HCM like Workday or Success Factors or Oracle that's supplemented with some point solutions. Then imagine on top of that, there being an employee engagement layer that anticipates the spoken and unspoken needs of the consumer of HR services. And at the bottom, imagine a data and analytics platform that captures the data and translates it into meaningful and actionable insights. The next level of detail around what makes sense really depends on the organization. There's a whole bunch of shiny toys that they can bolt onto it, but they should start with that basic structure. So let's talk a little about the basic structure. You said they have to have some sort of basic structure in the HR department. What is that? It really is an integrated platform, and I use the word platform in air quotes to really represent the marriage between what I'll call human and machine. And the machine component is the three-layered cake that I talked about. It's the engagement layer, it's the system of record, and then it's the analytics and data capability. But all of that is only meaningful if you have people that are skilled or access to talent internally or externally that can do something with it, that can translate your strategy, your programs, your policies into something meaningful that supports the business and can be executed through this platform. So it's that marriage of human and machine that, in my opinion, creates that foundation. There's a question I have about, I guess, consumerization would be the word. What is consumerization of HR? Fred, my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Let's talk about it. So you and I, and just about everyone who's listening to this podcast, are consumers in the general marketplace. And over the last several years, we've seen our expectations of what service should be. And so, you know, we go on to buy something. It's matched with our historic buying patterns with other things that have been noticed in the market. Now, some of it can be a little creepy, but the reality is as consumers, we welcome that level of insight, that anticipatory nature of the service. Now, as consumers, we're going into the workplace and we're expecting the same kind of service from the workplace, which in many cases is driven by HR as the hero of the employee experience. And it really is that outside-in design of the operating and service delivery model within HR that can, as I mentioned before, anticipate the spoken and unspoken need of the employees, the managers, the contractors, anybody who delivers services to your customers, their customers, would need to be treated as consumer within the workplace. Jill, we have time for one more question. So define for me the role of creative entrepreneurial talent for intelligent HR or operations. What, what is all that about and what do we need to do? What do HR people need to hear from you? The pace of change of technology in the marketplace is overwhelming for everybody, including me and my team. And I have a team of people just focused on doing nothing but understanding it. And the adoption of those technologies is also so totally varied based on organization, geography, industry, and workforce segment. So in order to be relevant, as we continue to move into a more of an intelligent, artificial intelligent analytics-driven environment, is to make sure that the talent that you have within HR 
really sees themselves as business professionals first, HR professionals second. And as a part of that, they have a professional curiosity that has them always thinking about what's next. How could they deliver something that hasn't been delivered? How can they achieve an outcome that hasn't been achieved? And how can they use technology in a thoughtful way that enables them? And so as I think about entrepreneurial talent, that's what I really think of as a profile of someone who's going to help the HR organization succeed in the future. So you think that an entrepreneurial bent is key to somebody who is employed and becomes an HR specialist? I do, because they have to be agile and be comfortable with ambiguity and be flexible. And I think all of those things come most naturally to somebody who has an entrepreneurial spirit and understands that in many cases, they have to blaze the path versus follow the path. I agree with you 100%. As a businessman, the ability to adapt and overcome, I almost sound like a Marine, don't I? Uh, but <laughs> it's true. The ability to adapt and change is critical. If you're not changing, you're going to die on the vine. That's at least my experience. And talking with a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in these podcasts about the same subject, whether big or small, doesn't matter. Folks, we have had a great guest today. Her name is Jill Goldstein. She is with the Accenture Corporation. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.